about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. All right, take your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9. Father, I thank you again for your word tonight. I thank you for your anointing and the Spirit of God in this place. Father, I thank you that you've expanded our minds so far on Wednesday nights that now we can see that miracles are just a normal thing for people in the kingdom of God. No longer spectacular, no longer way out there, but things that you want us to do, it's your will to do them, and we have the power and the ability to carry them out. Father, I thank you for the Spirit of God in this place tonight, that revelation knowledge would increase in the minds of your people, their understanding would go beyond the natural realm into the things of the Spirit, that we can walk with you in fellowship every single day of our lives. And we thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Okay, Acts chapter 9. We were uh, here last week, and we're just going to hit a little bit on this this week. Acts chapter 9, verse 40. This is the account of Peter raising up Tabitha from the dead. Look at verse 40. It says, but Peter put them all forth. Now remember that is the people who basically was with him, coming with him, who basically were bawling and squalling and walking in doubt and unbelief. So he put them all forth. He kneeled down and prayed and turning to him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she did what? Notice she sat up. So here was Peter. We found out that he knelt down, that he prayed. Basically, the prayer he played was not for God to raise Tabitha up, but for him to connect with God and connect with his divine nature so that he had the power to release. We found out that you need to have divine utterance, and you need to be full of the Spirit of God, the power of God, and it's your divine utterance that releases the power of God on the inside of you. So we know for sure here that Peter had a revelation of God's will. Peter had a desire to speak a power-packed Holy Ghost word with boldness. Say boldness. Here it says he knelt down, he prayed, and he commanded. Now let's see why we can also command this way also. Go to Hebrews chapter 13. All right, Hebrews chapter 13, look at verse 5. It says, But let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Here the word of God says that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. Now, why can we boldly say that the Lord is my helper? Notice the verse before, because he has said. Say, he has said. Notice, whatever he has said, you can say. Don't matter if it's lining up with your circumstances. Don't matter if it's lining up with the natural. If God said it, you can say it because you know it's the truth. So here he said he could boldly say, the Lord is my helper because God had already said it. Now, what does the Lord help us to do? Well, he does it first of all by how? the power on the inside of each and every one of us, the Holy Ghost in there. What does he help us to do? Well, the Lord will help you heal the sick. He'll help you raise the dead. He'll help you save the lost. He'll help us reach the world. He'll help us walk in love. He'll help us preach the truth. 
How does he do that? By the supernatural ability that the Holy Ghost gives us on the inside. And where's that ability tonight? It's on the inside of you. So this power becomes active to people who want it and to those who know how to walk and live in the Spirit of God. The first thing you need in order to live in the Spirit of God, you need to be hungry for the things of the Spirit of God and a desire to walk in the Spirit of God. You will never spiritually activate what you don't know you have. In other words, until you know you have authority, you'll never activate it and you'll never use authority. Until you know you have power, you'll never activate it, you'll never walk in it, you'll never use it. But as soon as God reveals to you something beyond your natural and you understand that God says, I have power, now by my believing it, I can activate the power that I didn't know I had 10 minutes ago, but now I have because the Word of God has said that I already have it. So there has to be an assurance in your life, first of all, of the Lord's presence and of His ability. An assurance and awareness of His presence and of His ability. Here it says, he said, he will never leave you nor forsake you. How many know he won't then? So this causes you to boldly say, and not fear what men think or do to you. I can say it because he said it. Say, I can say it because he said it. How many know when Jesus walked the earth, he was aware of the presence of God in his life. He was aware of the ability of God, and he walked in the spirit of God. He spoke to things all the time. We see that he spoke to the fig tree. And if you read that whole scripture, it says he spoke to the fig tree and his disciples heard it. See, it wasn't a silent command. It wasn't a silent prayer. Why would you give a silent command to the fig tree? Because you didn't know if the fig tree was going to listen to your silent command and you didn't want anybody else to hear it. Come on now. People talk about what we're going to bow our heads in silent prayer. You're wasting your time. Come on now. If that's what releases the power, the utterance that comes out of your mouth, then you have to read that. But I mean, if I was talking to that fig tree, I'd have said, you die, fig tree, the root, in Jesus' name. Why is that? Because I didn't want to put myself on the line for that walk by that fig tree. The next day, it's got a boatload of figs on the thing. I'd have felt like a fool. But Jesus knew who he was. He knew the power he had. So basically, he said, die. And how many know it died? Hallelujah. To deaf ears, he said, hear. To blind eyes, he said, be open. To limbs, he said, stretch out. To dead people, he simply said, Lazarus, come forth. Now, why is that? Because he was more confident in the Holy Ghost ability in him than he was worried about failure. In other words, he had more faith in the power of God on the inside of him than he had and worried about failing. This will work with every area of your life. You know, it worked with me in preaching. When I found out that the power of God for me to preach was bigger on the inside than all the fears of preaching before people, it overtook the fears, rooted them out of my life, and it's easy now to preach depending on the ability of God on the inside of you. So whatever God calls you to do, you first have to get enough faith in what you have in order to overcome your fears to do what God has called you to do. Many people never even start in their destiny because they're so afraid and they're afraid to step out and they never will step out. People have words in church and they, you know, they know they should get up. They should have got up. They had a word to get up. And after church, they come up and say, I had a word. Well, after church, you know, you can give it to me if you want to, but it was probably for everybody. You know, what do you got to do? You got to learn to step out. You got to overcome that fear. You've got to understand that what's on the inside of you is bigger than your opportunity to fail. So Jesus knew these things. He lived as a spirit man. He was spiritually alive. He lived above the natural realm. The fear of man or the fear of failure will stop miracles in your life, miracles you need and miracles you're trying to get over to other people. It will cause you to be afraid to act And certainly, it'll cause you to be afraid to speak boldly the word of God in the situation. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 4. Even when we sing that one song we sang tonight where he says, turn my world upside down, I want to say I'll go all the way for you. Well, then say it. 
I mean, I want to say I'll go all the way for it. Then say it, for God's sakes. If you want to say it, say it. What is it? Apparently, he's afraid to speak it out. Praise God. All right, Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse 22. That you put off concerning the former conversation or life of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and in true holiness. Here it tells you that you have the ability and the dominion in your life to put off everything from your natural realm and from your old lifestyle before you were born again. You have the ability to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and the nature and the anointing of God. Now notice the bad part about this, this is your responsibility. This is not something God does. This is something that you do. You are responsible to discard the old life and association with that life and grab onto the new life where you were created in, in righteousness and you were created in true holiness. Here we are commanded to do this. Why? So that we continue to release the power on the inside of us with the boldness from our new nature. Verse 24 says, And that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness. Now, we study righteousness on Sundays. Righteousness basically is right standing or being in right alignment with God. So as I renew my mind, I'm going to come in right standing with God, right alignment with God. I'm going to know the will of God. I'm going to enforce the will of God. And I'm going to do it in Jesus' name or Jesus' stead because that is the ability and the identity that I have on the inside of me. Now, verse 23 in this translation I like better. It says, and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind. Say constantly. Notice many times today we try to do a miracle, we try to do a healing, we try to get something from God. When a symptom hits our body, we try to get it off memory. You can't get it off memory. You received the promise of God and last year's revelation is not going to help you this year. That's why you must constantly renew your mind to the Word of God. We desire to do a miracle. We need to receive a miracle. We try and try, and it doesn't work. Why is that? Because you're not constantly renewing your mind. Therefore, there's no divine utterance to release the divine power that's on the inside of you. So you must constantly, say constantly. How you know constantly is every single day. So you can't take a vacation. You've got to keep renewing your mind. Every day I've got to remember who I am now. Every day I've got to remember what he did for me. Every day I've got to remember I'm no longer a sinner. Every day I've got to remember I'm no longer an alky. Every day I've got to understand who I am. I'm righteous. I'm holy. I'm full of the power of God. I'm full of the anointing of God. I'm full of the... You've got to remind yourself continually because if you get away from it, it will go by the wayside. And especially when you need power, you, you can't go get it for 25 minutes. You've got to be ready to release that power right away. So as you continually hear the word of God, the Holy Ghost will revive then what you have heard. The Bible says the Holy Ghost will bring to remembrance those things that you have already deposited on the inside of you. That's his job to bring to remembrance, but he cannot bring to remembrance something that you never put in to begin with, only what you have already put on the inside of you. The Holy Ghost will come and he will make it alive. In other words, you'll hear the word of God. The Holy Ghost will revive and energize that word on the inside of you. It will spark a revelation in your life that will come and it'll inspire you to utterance in bold alignment with God. Basically, that's what follows. When inspired utterance comes, power will flow in your life. Now, the first, first thing you want to do when you want to do a miracle is start using this system on you. In other words, I study scriptures, the Bible says, uh, you know, be patient in all things, and I started the confession that I'm the most patient man in the world. I'm the most patient. Who's the most patient man in the world? I am. 
Who do you think is the most patient? I am. Let me just tell you, I'm the most patient man in the world. Then there come situations where you don't feel like you're the most patient man in the world. What do I have? The Holy Ghost brings to remembrance, uh-uh-uh-uh, you're the most patient man in the world. And although you don't want to be at that time, the Holy Ghost reminds you of who you are, and instead of going wild, you simply say, yes, that's who I am. I'm the most patient person in the world. What are you doing? Growing? You're growing in the things of God. You start to worry and all at once, oh, that's right. I cast all my cares upon him. The Holy Ghost will bring it up. He'll use it like a weapon, man. I cast all my cares upon him because he cares for me. So I don't worry anymore. I'm the man who never gets sick. I'm the man who never worries. I'm the man who never gets upset. That's just who I am. That's what. And people get mad at you when you believe this stuff. Do you know that? Because they want you to get upset with them. They want to go down the pity party with them. They want you to go into failure with them. You can't do that, praise God. You've got to talk to yourself and you've got to let the Holy Ghost bring these things to remembrance. And I'll tell you what, he'll do it. And even when he does it, there's times when you still won't do what he reminds you of, praise God, because of your feelings and because of your emotions. But this is how it works. And as long as you stay in agreement with that, the power of God will enable you to be patient in that situation, to use your authority in that episode, to do whatever you need. The power is already on the inside, but it will not work in disagreement. You can't say, well, I'm just terrible. I'm the most impatient person in the world. I always scream and howl when people get mad at me. Every time somebody makes me mad, I just get mad every single time, and I just give them a piece of my mind that I can't spare. But how many of you know that's not going to do any good, is it? Because when it happens, that's going to drown out what the Holy Ghost says. And you're going to say, that's right, I'm not a patient man. And you're going to go nuts. So praise God, that's a way of slowly putting on the new man, putting on the new nature. That's who I am. I am is a big, big two words. I am. All right, go back to Acts chapter 9. All right, let's read this again, Acts chapter 9, verse 40. But Peter put them all forth, kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. So once again, this is Peter raising Tabitha from the dead. He simply said, Tabitha, arise. Now, who was Peter talking to? Was he talking to God? No, he wasn't. He was talking to who? Talking to Tabitha, wasn't he? But before he spoke, we found out that he put them forth. He knelt down, he prayed, and turned to the body of Tabitha and said, Tabitha, Arise. This was inspired utterance. He knew the will of God. He knew what was supposed to be done in that situation. And he simply lined up and released inspired utterance to release the power of God. Now, this takes place only when a person starts to know their identity. In other words, they have put off the old person and they are putting on who they really are now. Notice you were created in righteousness and holiness. You were not created to become righteous and holy. You are created righteous and holy already. So a person who's aware of the Spirit's ability on the inside, and you must know that the identity and the Lord's presence is available to you now. How many know that faith is now? The Bible says now faith is. Well, then your utterance is going to have to be now, and your power is going to have to be ready now, and your results will be now. Hallelujah. Why is that? Because I'm ready. I'm fully loaded all the time. So the inspired utterance here of Peter came. The power came. It touched Tabitha's physical body, and it raised her up. Now notice, it must have also healed her at the same time because if it didn't, she'd have died again. Right? I could have raised her from the dead. She could have dropped right dead again. But no, the power that he had not only raised her from the dead, but must also healed her of whatever her problem was. You cannot make a miracle happen. You have to flow in the Spirit and hear the Spirit of God in order for miracles to happen. If you watch Jesus' ministry, he did not do the same principle over and over again. There is no playbook for this. 
There is following the Spirit of God, being in tune with the Spirit of God and doing what He wants. One time Jesus walked up to somebody, praise God, and He just spoke to them. Another time He walks up to people and He spit. Other times He spoke. Other times He made mud. Why is that? Because He was following the Spirit of God, but when He had success, He did not do the same thing over and over again. He did not start the spitting ministry and stay in it the whole time. He just used it on certain people because that's what the Holy Spirit was directing Him to do in that situation. Well, why did the Holy Spirit do that? I don't know why the Holy Spirit did that, and maybe even Jesus didn't. But the Spirit of God will lead you and guide you to do things that basically are beyond your understanding, and you have a choice to either do them or not do them. It's totally up to you. Always use the thing when I first got excited and went to a church and praise God, the Spirit of God was there and I was hearing God and the power of God was all over me and glory to God, I was listening to the Spirit of God and all at once one time we had a good praise and worship down south where we went to church and uh, it got real quiet for a while and nobody was doing much anything but the presence of God was real strong and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, we just did holy ground. He said, take your shoes off and throw them up the altar. I said, What? said, take your shoe. And then I'm starting to think, do I have a hole in my sock? Or do I have my <laughs> so I stood there and I said, Lord, I don't know if this is you. I don't know why anybody would find, tell me that, especially the Spirit of God. So I didn't do it. So I just kept my eyes closed, ignoring the Spirit the best I could with my hands up. And all at once I heard bang, bang. And a person over on this side threw their shoes on the altar. And when I did, the power of God just hit that place and people started falling down the Spirit. So then you know what I did for the next 24 hours. <laughs> repented and repented and repented and repented but how many know that was not the ordinary that was out of the ordinary everybody might have thought when you threw it up boy that guy's really a wacko and and once what is that the pressure of man thinking about you and what they're going to think about you will keep you doing things that the holy spirit directs you on now how many know some people are just flaky and throw their shoes all over the place and the spirit of god never talked to them at all and the thing is when you do that the people who are in the spirit will know that it was a false shoe attack See, because you're walking in the Spirit, and you know when it went clunk, clunk. It disturbed the Spirit. It did not help the Spirit. So if you're going to do that, do it in a dead church where nobody knows that you're messing up, praise God, and you'll be just fine in that situation. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So you have to learn your real identity. You have to learn to walk and stay in the Spirit of God so that you can cooperate with God. I believe there's a day coming when many, many people are going to live in this realm that I'm preaching about tonight. Kingdom people will be respected. They will be feared, and they will be persecuted, praise God, when the invasion of the Spirit starts to operate in our daily lives, in our churches, and in our lives. Because it's beyond the natural, praise God. It's supernatural stuff that people will not understand who are not in the Spirit of God. They won't be able to do it. Remember when basically they they came after the disciples, they got mad at them because they were doing miracles, and they wanted to take them out and kill them, and Gamaliel came along and said, hey, don't worry about it. If it's of man, it'll go away. But if it's of God, you certainly don't want to be fighting in God, so let's just leave it go for now, praise God. Why is that? Because it's of God, it will not go away. And, and, you know, even now in the times that we went through with the COVID-19, there are a lot of churches who are not making it through this time. Now, I don't know if all of them, but there are some. This is going to be on the internet. I've got to be careful here. There are some that need to disappear. There are some that aren't going any further. There are some that are stuck in the mud. There are some that won't let their people go any further in the things of God and understand power of God. As a matter of fact, they deny healing. They deny miracles. They deny, and they're holding people back. And some of these are not of God. They're of man. And maybe they'll just go away. Maybe they won't, praise God. But there are some that will. Hallelujah. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 1.
All right, here's Paul basically in Ephesians. He knew the power of God. He knew the mystery of God. He walked in the power of God. He knew how to release divine utterance. He knew how to do miracles. Chapter 1, verse 17, he prays a prayer. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So here's Paul. He's praying for born-again believers, spirit-filled believers. He is praying that God would give them a spirit of wisdom in revelation in the knowledge of God. Not that he would get them to know about God, but he would get them to know God. In Philippians, Paul said his desire was to know God more intimately and also the power that outflows from his resurrection. What was Paul going after? He was not going after the power. He was going after God. And through his relationship with God, it released the power of the resurrection power of God on the inside of him. Many people stop at salvation. But through the knowledge of the word, you will grow in God. God desires that all persons be saved, but and come into the knowledge of the truth. Jesus came to give us life, but also to give us life abundantly. See, everybody stops at life. Everybody stops at salvation, but there's more to it. As you come in the knowledge of the truth, you can walk into an abundant lifestyle, praise God, and you can walk above every other person who's not walking in that right now. It's available to all. Just because nobody's walking in it does not mean it's not available to the church. The problem is our mindset has got to go beyond where it's at right now. There's revelation and wisdom and knowledge that God is trying to pour into his people at this time through the word of God to get people excited about the things of God and full of the glory of God and to go out and do what we were called to do and what we were created to do, praise God. Yes. Hallelujah. Let me alone. I'm teaching. Get away. Let me go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So God wants the spirit of wisdom and revelation to reveal himself to you. When this happens, you'll not only know God, but you'll know what God knows. You'll say what God says, and you'll do what God would be doing right now. Because why? You've become one with him. You cultivated the spirit of God, and now you moved into a oneness with God. You need to develop the gifts that are in you. You must become sensitive to the spirit of God. And, of course, one way to do that is your prayer language, basically praying in tongues. Put faith in your prayer language, even as you pray. Pray like you're actually praying to God. I don't even think God can keep up with some people. Praise God. You're just not rattling it off, trying to get as many words in as you can. You're actually speaking in a different language to God. So what do I want to do? I want to pray in the Spirit. What does it do? It builds myself up. I'm a spirit being. 
When I pray as I ought, I pray the will of God. I'm assured that when I'm praying, I can pray the will of God. I'm yielding to the spirit within me saying, there must be a spirit in there because he's using my mouth to pray. I allow the spirit to speak into my life. Many times if you pray in tongues and you stop, you can interpret what you just prayed and know what you did. It's available. I didn't know that. That's why it's never happened to you. But now you can do that. Praise God. Hallelujah. And you will grow and you will build yourself up spiritually on your most holy faith. All right, look at verse 18. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Notice the eyes of your understanding becoming enlightened. There is an understanding in God that passes natural knowledge. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with not all your head, all your, all your heart, and lean not on your own. So that must mean if I can't lean on my own understanding, there must be another understanding out there that I can lean on that's beyond my own understanding. Or that I wouldn't know where to go after I didn't trust my own understanding. So there's a supernatural thing there. To do this, you must understand beyond the natural realm. You must trust beyond the natural realm. How do you do that? You do that by believing the Word of God over everything else in your life. The Bible says, by faith in Hebrews, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. How do we understand? By faith, we understand. How many of you were there when the world was formed? How many are there when God spoken into existence? How many of you believe it's here? Why is that? Because your understanding has gone beyond the natural realm into the spirit realm, and now you're just believing the Word of God. What takes you beyond your natural understanding? Believe. Believe. I believe the Spirit of God is in me. Have you ever seen the Spirit of God? No. Has He ever introduced Himself? No. Have you ever? No, I haven't seen Him. What has it done? The Word of God saying that I am a temple of the Holy Ghost has taken me beyond natural understanding to believe something that no one else. Now, if you run into somebody who doesn't understand that and you say, the Spirit of God lives in me, they're going to say, and you're crazy. Why is that? Because they have to see something, feel something, see something unnatural in order to understand. But you have gone beyond that to, to understand that you've got power is going to take you beyond your natural understanding because you're not going to feel like you have power all the time. As a matter of fact, you're hardly ever going to feel like you have power. Sometimes you will, but most of the time you won't. But do you believe there's power on the inside of you? And is your faith in the feeling of power or in power in you? See, we want to put faith in feelings. Ooh, I feel the power. I've got it. Oh, I don't feel the power. I must have lost it. The presence of God is all over me. He's right here. Where did he go on Monday morning? He must be someplace else. See, we go up and down and up and down. But notice the word stays the same, doesn't it? It doesn't change. When he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, he didn't say until you don't feel like it. No, he said it all the time. So I'm going to stay on the word. What am I doing? I'm going beyond. I believe there's a heaven. Have you ever seen it? No. I believe there's a hell. Have you ever seen it? No. I believe there's angels. Have you ever seen one? No. But what am I doing? I'm going beyond the natural realm into the spirit realm to believe what God has already said. So your understanding here, you will be enlightened or lit up. Up by the spirit of revelation who lives on the inside of you. How many know that's Holy Spirit? To enlighten means revelation will come, light will come, and knowledge will come. Well, how does all this stuff come? The Bible says the entrance of thy word in your heart brings light. The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What it's talking about? Revelation knowledge to show you how to walk in the things of God and understand God. The Holy Spirit will show you revelation knowledge from the Word of God. Why? So that you walk in the light as He is in the light. Now, when are you going to do that? All the time. You're going to do that in spite of the natural evidence. I'm healed in spite 
I'm filled in spite. I'm blessed in spite. I'm raised and seated in spite of what I feel like. So I will walk in fellowship with God and with other people. The results will be I can boldly say what he says about me so you may know he will never leave me nor forsake me. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you do this, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses you from what? All sin. Now, how, how, why is that important? But if you sin and you don't understand to get back into the light and you want to walk in guilt and condemnation, you cannot speak the word of God boldly in any situation as long as you're walking in condemnation. So I'm going to walk in the light. And if I step out of the light, even with one toe, I'm going to jump back in, praise God, because he's faithful and just to cleanse me. And I walk back into the light. You don't want to waller about your failures, think on your failures, meditate on your failures, tell everybody about your failures. You don't need that. When you make a failure, it's easy. It's like a chalkboard. You put a one down, you erase the thing, and you move on, for goodness sakes. You don't have to tell everybody in the world, oh, I failed. 22,000 years ago, I failed. Get over it, for God's sakes, and move on. Get back in the light. Let him cleanse you. It doesn't matter what you did in the past. As a matter of fact, he's not interested in your past. He's interested in your future. And the thing is, you can't change your past, but you can change your future. So there's more power in your future than there is the past. So I'm going to walk in the light. I'm going to walk in the word. I'm going to be cleansed of all sin. I'm going to be free of guilt and condemnation so I can boldly say what God says. Now, I can come boldly in righteousness and true holiness to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of what? In a time of need, don't I? So do not wait until you run into a need, then try to walk in the light. Don't walk, you've got to walk daily in the light in the fellowship of others with God. Yesterday's revelation will not help you today. We got the light on in here right now, and the light's on, and we can shut the light off. I can come back tomorrow night, not turn the light on, run into a table, break my head, do everything else, and be upset that last night's light didn't help me tonight. Well, it's not going to help you. You're going to have to turn the light back on every single day to walk in the light. It's a way of living in the kingdom of God and a way of living in the spirit of God. So continual walking in the light, walking in the spirit, fellowshipping with the Holy Ghost will allow the eyes of your understanding to slowly be enlightened. And if you've been around this church very long, if you've been coming on Sundays and Wednesday nights, I mean, you have been enlightened to some things you ain't never seen before. You're understanding things that you didn't even know were available to you. They didn't even know they were out there. You're just wondering, wow, man, this is far out. But on the inside of you, the Spirit of God saying, that's right. That's right. You, should, you, you can know that. That's right. That's right. Your head's saying, ooh, ooh, ooh. but your spirit's saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, praise God. That's what you're created for. That's what you're supposed to do. You will soon know what is the hope of His calling. Say, His calling. Notice it does not say your calling. You don't have a calling. His calling is your calling. When you find out his calling, the Spirit of God's going to go to work for you. If you want to have your calling and let him help you, you're in trouble. See, he's got a calling for you. He's got a certain calling, a certain thing for you to do. When you find out, the Spirit of God is ready, willing, and able to help you. You will discover the riches of the glory of his inheritance. Hallelujah. Say inheritance. Now, when did I get his inheritance? Do I get his inheritance when I die? That's what the church has thought for years. When I die and go to heaven, everything's going to be fine. But notice, you get the inheritance when he died. How many know he might have died already? Of course, he was raised, wasn't he? So everything he's paid for you and promised for you was available to you the day that he died and the day he was raised from the dead. Your inheritance belongs to you. Healing is not something you're getting. Healing belongs to you. Blessings belong to you. Power is already on the inside of you. Ability is already there. Authority already belongs to you. These are not things we're pursuing. These are things we're trying to activate through faith that are in our lives, praise God. So there's power in me tonight. There's wisdom in me tonight. God's in me tonight. All these things are on the inside of me. All these drive out fear in every single area of your life when you start to understand him. 
You are on earthly mission daily, an ever-increasing lifestyle in Christ. You're growing up into Christ. He is not just your example, but he is now the new life on the inside of you. As the word takes the limits off your mind, people will see him in his fullness through you. I mean, there's going to come a day when the whole earth is going to see Jesus walking the earth again in born-again believers. They're going to be doing the same thing and even greater works than Jesus did. They're going to be walking. They're going to be confident. They're not going to be trying to do these things. It's going to be a way of life to do this. It's going to be like putting on your shoes. It's going to be like taking a shower, only it's going to be in the spiritual realm. You'll be saying, be healed, be free, come out, you know, just walking down the street doing that stuff to people to come. And then people are going to come to us. They come to us. Come on, you read your Bible. How many times did Jesus go out looking for people? People came to him. The whole city came to him. Why? Well, they must have heard something he was doing. They must have heard that he was being successful in healing and delivering. He was not looking for people to deliver. No, people were coming to him because he had a reputation as somebody in the kingdom of God with the power of God and divine utterance. The church lost it. We've lost it somewhere along the line. We just want to be good little Christians and sing and praise and get a goosebump now and then, but there's something greater than that, and it's greater for every single person that wants to take the limits off of their mind and start believing God for every single thing that he has given us. Praise God. All right, look at verse 19. So Paul prays to let you know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe... Well, how big is that power? Well, it's according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. So this tells us there is a great and exceeding power that's available to you. Notice Tabitha was not believing God. How many of you know that? She was dead. Apparently it was Paul's prayer that raised her from the dead. They weren't holding hands and having a prayer of agreement. She was dead. It was all Paul understanding the power of God. And he may have had a revelation like this. Well, if I have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, then I must have enough power to raise Tabitha from the dead because I got the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So he wasn't nervous about doing it. He said, Tabitha, arise, and she arose. It was Peter doing the believing. Peter had a revelation. He had a revelation of the exceeding greatness of God's power toward him. Peter said it was according to the working of his mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Peter had a revelation, and by that revelation, he apprehended the power from the throne room of God. Through revelation, power and authority were used to create inspired utterance. He simply went to God. He reminded himself of his identity. He knew the will of God. He turned around and said, Tabitha, arise. The results were the same power that raised Christ from the dead now had raised Tabitha from the dead. Well, that was in the book of Acts, and the book of Acts is over with right now. No, the book of Acts is being continued right now. It's not being written anymore, but the same spirit that was on the disciples, the same authority that they had, the same seating in heavenly places, the same power is still available to the church. The Holy Ghost didn't go nowhere. He's not old with a cane and a beard and can't get around anymore. He's the same spirit, praise God. And the Bible says that he's pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. So if you don't think you qualify, you're wrong. As long as you've got a flesh body, you qualify for the Spirit of God who lives on the inside of you. And Jesus said you can even do greater works. Hallelujah. All right, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 4. 
Paul says, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but your faith should stand in what? The power of God. So here in Corinthians, we saw earlier in Corinthians, Paul spoke, he said, The manifestation of the Spirit is given to profit all. The manifestation or the revealing of the Spirit is given to every man. Are you an every man? And notice that will profit how many people? All. Peter also said in, in Peter when we read, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man, are you an any man? If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God gives, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Jesus is glorified when people profit from the Spirit of God and when the Spirit manifests out of the inside of a believer. Paul's words carried power, here he says, and they carried demonstrations. In other words, they carried spirit manifestations. Now, what were these manifestations? Who knows? There was probably healing. There was deliverance. Maybe there was weeping. Maybe there was healing. Maybe there was laughter. Who knows? But a power of God was on display in his life, and his words are what released it. Whatever it was, it was a visible witness of the power of God working with him. Whatever was happening was simply a visible witness of the power of God working with him. In other words, it was a revealing of what was on the inside of Paul into the natural realm from the Spirit of God. What did it prove? It proved basically that Jesus was alive. Hallelujah. Every Easter we go, Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. And then we don't even know what that means or don't know what it's supposed to do. Well, good for Jesus is alive. I mean, you know, that's not going to help you much anyway, unless you become alive with the Jesus who is alive and do what Jesus told you to do with the life that's on the inside of you. Praise God. Hallelujah. So Paul's words were in demonstration of power. Paul was a witness everywhere he went of the power of God. Now, why did he what did the power of God do? It was there so that other people would see the power of God and put their faith in the power of God when they saw the power of God. All right, go to Acts chapter 1. All right, Acts chapter 1, look at verse 8. This is the final thing that Jesus basically said before he went up to heaven. He said to his disciples, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Before Jesus left, he stated, When the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall receive what? Has the Holy Ghost come upon you? That it means you have received what? You have power. But notice what it says. You have received power to be a witness. Say, be a witness. Be a witness. Say it again, be a, be a witness. Now, most churches, and that's all right, they go witnessing. They go out, they witness to people, they hand them tracts, they do whatever. But God did not give you power to hand out a tract. You don't need power to hand out a tract. Anybody can hand out a tract. You don't need any supernatural ability and power for that. So we need to go beyond with our witnessing why is that? Because there's something on the inside of us that will take us beyond the natural realm. He doesn't want us to go witnessing. He wants us to be a witness. Well, how am I going to be a witness? I am going to have demonstrations of the spirit and power in my life. I'm going to have those that are visible for other people. And people will say, what happened? How did you do that? Well, the power of God on the inside of me. The spirit of God lives on the inside of me. The Holy Ghost is on the inside of me. He is manifesting out of me. That's why you got healed. That's why you got delivered. That's why this happened. What do we mean? A witness. 
not only a witness of the power, but a witness that Jesus Christ is alive. As a matter of fact, the believers basically in their ordinary life are supposed to be doing these things all the time ordinarily. Go to Mark 16. Give you this extra. It won't cost you anything tonight. No offerings, no nothing tonight. Mark chapter 16, that was Jesus right at the end before he went, talking to him, said, man, when the Holy Ghost comes, I'll tell you what, you are going to receive power and you're going to be a witness. Mark chapter 16, look at verse 15. Jesus once again, last words. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to how many creatures? Every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved and he that believes not shall be. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now who's this to? Isn't this to believers? Isn't this to born again believers? Isn't this to churchy people? Isn't this the kingdom of God people? He says if you believe these are the things that you should do. We fight over whether tongues are for real or not. We haven't got into casting out devils or healing the sick or eating poisonous stuff and surviving on it. We can't get by whether tongues is of God or not in most places. But notice Jesus says this is the ordinary thing to do. You go and you preach the good news to people. And what do they do? They believe it? Fine. They don't? Fine. Not your, not your problem. Well, they didn't believe it. They're probably going to hell. You threw it out there. Bless God. It's not your decision of whether it's going to work or not. You did exactly what you did. But notice they believe. They preach the gospel. What is gospel? Good news. It's not, you're so terrible and you're such a sinner and I know you're going to hell and you need to find, no. It's that, man, you can come into the kingdom of God, praise God. I got good news for you. God loves you. God wants you in the kingdom. He's got a bunch of stuff for you. You can have divine rights. You can walk in authority and get them born again. Then basically, these signs shall follow them that... Now, how many know this should be ordinary? Shouldn't not? Isn't this what he told us to do? Isn't this what he's commanded the church to do? Isn't it what he... But I mean, you can't find eight people who's ever spoke to a devil, much less cast the devil out. You can't find people who's healed one sick person, laid hands on them. And notice he doesn't say anywhere in the Bible. Now nah, I'm getting in trouble. I better go back here. All right, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. <laughs> For a later date, to be continued. All right, back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 5. That your faith, say my faith. my faith. Notice, your faith should stand not in the wisdom of men, but your faith should stand in the power of God. So Paul lived in inspired utterance that caused demonstrations of the Spirit and power. Why? So that people's faith would not rest just in the wisdom of men, but it would also rest in the power of God. Today's church has put its faith mostly in the wisdom of men. Why? Because most have never seen the gospel preached with demonstrations of the Spirit and of power. There are many people manifesting the Spirit to profit all, but many people never saw the Spirit manifesting in their life. Some people never saw anyone get slain in the Spirit. Some people never saw anybody lay hands on anybody. Somebody never saw... There's Christians out there by the thousands who's never seen anything like this. So how are they supposed to put faith in something that far out if they've never had it preached or never even seen it happen? See, it's not going to work. Whatever. And I mean, one of the main things too is that the anointing of God is always on the head. 
Bible says the head is always anointed. Well, if you're under a head who doesn't believe in those things, how do you expect it to drip down? See, if they don't believe in healing, if they don't believe in tongues, if they don't believe in power, and they don't believe, and you've been in that church for 42 years and wonder why you haven't gone any further, you haven't gone any further because you can't get a drip from anybody but the, the drip that you're under right now, praise God. See, it's where you go. It's where you're at. It's, it's what you're doing. If you want to believe in healing, go someplace that believes in healing. If you want to walk in miracles, go someplace that believes in miracles. If you want to do that, you've got to go someplace where somebody's there who can teach these things and knows these things and has operated in these things before because you're not going to go any further than that. That's why a lot of people have been exiting from denominations now for quite some time. Why? They ran into a Holy Ghost believer by accident. And they found out there's more than just the religious routine that they've been doing for the last 25 years. And the power of God is real and God's love is real and all these things are real. And on the inside of them, it's going, go, go, go. But they're held back because they've been doing this now for 30 years. Same old thing. Most of them, do you like where you're at? No. You like your denomination? Hate it. But that's the way I am. That's the way grandma, that's where she was at. That's where grandpa was at. I don't care where they're at. You've got your own responsibility to do what you want to do. So you want to get under people. You want to listen to people who believe in this stuff. If you're going to be on Facebook or CDs or whatever you're looking at, find people who are full of the power of God and are teaching you things that are in line with the gospel that's taking your mind further. Don't let people relate you to your old nature and try to teach you. You're just like Job. We're all like Job, but we're going up further. We're, no, I ain't like Job to begin with. So you're off right off the bat, and I ain't going to be not like Job. Jesus already created me not like Job, and I'm not going back there. But that's what gets all feely and emotions to people. You're like Job, but God's going to take you to... Ooh, it feels so good to hear that. I get so many feelings and emotions. We're going to go from here to there. No, you're already there. Praise God, he's already raised and seated you in heavenly places. You're not climbing up the ladder every day. Rung number 242. If I just get to 250, it's not that way, praise God. Jesus provided it for you. He provided everything for you. And if you want to do it in your own works, have a good time. But you're going to wear yourself out trying to do those religious works. Praise God, it doesn't work. So praise God. Here he says, preach the gospel. Here he says, put faith in the power of God that's on the inside of him. Most of the time when the Holy Ghost moves, people will either be attracted to it or they'll run out the back door. First time we saw it, we ran out the back door. No question about it. And all they were doing was praying in tongues. That was enough for me, praise God. I mean, I didn't know Spanish, but I knew that wasn't it. And we exited out of there. But I'll tell you what, once that seed gets in there and you go home and get quiet and the Spirit of God saying, hey, man, that's it. That's where you need to be. That's where you got to be. And all, once you go back a second time, then all, once you can't understand why people don't understand that tongues is for real. And just two weeks earlier, you were the one running out the back door, see? Why is that? Because you got someplace and experienced something spiritual that was actually taking place there. And what happened? You saw the, the power of God happen. And I'll tell you, don't ever lose your hunger for the Word of God. Amen. Don't do it. Don't do it. People are doing it by the droves. People are not doing it. I mean, they're not coming to church on Wednesdays. They barely come on Sundays. They barely, I'm telling you what, the Word of God is what changes your life. You've got to figure that out right now, praise God. The more Word of God you put in, the more you read, the more. Follow the Holy Ghost. Sometimes you have you listen to tapes. Sometimes you have you pray in tongues. Sometimes he'll take me to the Word because there's something he wants to show me in the Word at that time. But you've got to stay in the Word of God, especially the day and hour we're living in right now. My God, come on. You've got to be there. All right, go to 1 Corinthians where chapter 2. Look at verse 12. All right, verse 12 says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us, for th which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, 
but which the Holy Ghost teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. Notice, you have received the Spirit of God. How many of you received the Spirit of God? What's the Spirit of God going to do? He's going to let you know the things that have been freely given to you. Notice, past tense. They have been freely given to you. So that says you can yield to the Spirit of God and understand things beyond your understanding and revelation and knowledge, or you can stay in the world, which is a spirit of fear, and you can live under the spirit of fear your whole life. There's two here. There's the Spirit of God and the Spirit of the world. There are certain things that are freely yours, things that Jesus provided way back on Calvary, but you will not know what these things are unless the Spirit reveals them to you through the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will bring revelation. Revelation then always brings inspired utterance. Say inspired utterance. Now notice, you can see this here. Look at verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world or a spirit of fear, but we've received the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we what? We speak. Once God reveals these things to you, the next thing that happens are going to start coming out your mouth. And here's where you separate the men from the boys. If you want to walk around talking failure, defeat, who you're not, how terrible you are, you're not going to have any problem at all. But when you start talking to things the Spirit of God has revealed to you, hey, how you doing? Where are you from? Treasure Coast Victory Center. Boy, uh, how you doing? You know, there's no, no, none righteous, no, not one. Oh, I'm righteous. What do you mean? The Bible says there's none righteous, no. We'll read the next verse. It says, I've been the righteousness of God in Christ. Nobody righteous. There's no, not one righteous. We're all sinners. Hey, but no, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Oh, once you're going to start losing church members, you're going to start losing people around you. You're going to definitely lose your relation, especially if they're in a denomination and don't know this stuff. So what happens? All at once, this stuff's going to get on the inside of you, and it's going to cause inspired utterance to come out of the inside of you. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth was what? Speak. So what's happened? God is teaching you the word of God. He's giving you revelations. He's saying, hey, you were healed 2,000 years ago. You were healed 2,000 years ago. A symptom comes and you're just about ready to say, I'm sick. And the Spirit of God says, eh, 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 eh. you were healed 2,000. That's right. I'm healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Praise God. What's it do? Start coming out your mouth. What's it do? Releases the power of God on the inside of you to make sure that the, any symptom or any sickness trying to get in your body just gets flushed out of there by the Spirit of God. The Bible says the same spirit has raised God from the dead will quicken, make alive, strengthen your mortal body if you let him. Mm-hmm. You can't say, I'm sick, I'm sick, help me, Holy Ghost. That's not going to work. You've got to be in agreement with God. You've got to stay in righteousness, right alignment with God, with your, with your mouth. And when you do that, it releases the power of God. So the Spirit of God is showing us things, ain't he? He's showing us all kinds of things. Look at verse 14. Which things also we speak, not in the word, words with man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. Verse 14. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. See, you're going to be called a fool. You've been taught by God. It's when above the natural stuff, people are going to say you're foolish. Tithe. Ridiculous. Give money to that guy so he can get a new suit every week. You've got to be out of your mind, praise God. Speak to the winds and the waves. Are you crazy? I ain't talking to no winds and I ain't talking to no rain. Claim that you're healed and you never get sick. You just wait, boy. Your time's are coming. You're going to get it. Call the devil a dog. You better not say that. He'll come and get you. He'll get mad at you for these things. Pray in tongues. Listen to that gibberish. Jeez, ow. They don't know what, what is it? Foolishness to them. Their spirit of mind's not in there. They don't understand what's going on. The spirit of God has not relieved anything to them. I mean, how many manifestations of the spirit are they having? None. 
Spirit of God's not even on the inside of them. They cannot understand what's going on. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 3. I've been praying that these classes help you guys as much as they help me. All right, Ephesians chapter 3, look at verse 20, familiar scripture. It says, now unto him, talking about God, that he is able. How many know he's able? Come on, now unto God that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Well, why if he's able? Why don't he do these stuff? What's the matter? Why doesn't he heal everybody? Why don't he save everybody? Why don't he do something then if he's... Well, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according... To the power that worketh on the inside of us. See, it depends on how much power is at work on the inside. Are you fanning the flame on the inside of you? Are you praying in tongues? Are you remembering? Are you meditating on who you are and what God has done for you? Are you talking about it? Are you abandoning your priorities of the spirit to the natural realm? The level of power you have will be determined by the priorities you have and the thoughts you think. Priorities are big in your life. You need to get a set of priorities, especially spiritual in your life, or you'll never be, you'll never be, constant. You'll be up for four days, down for three days. Up for six, going to do this, down for six. You have to be constant. You have to be diligent. Faith will come in your heart by the power of God as you a little bit every single day. When the promise starts to slip from a present promise or a future promise from present to future, you know that you're sliding backwards. In other words, if you're no longer healed, but you're going to be healed, you've slipped. Because all the promises with the Holy Ghost are Yes, and they are. They're not future promises anymore. Jesus fulfilled those promises. You're already righteous. You're already healed. You're already blessed. You're already anointed. Whenever that starts to slide back, and I'll tell you when it slides back, is when you get hit with something from the natural realm. See, it's easy to believe you're healed when you're healed. I'm healed from the top of my head and the soles of my feet. Why? Jesus healed me 2,000. Then you wake up the next morning. And you wonder if the devil jumped in your bed and beat the slap out of you all night long, praise God. And now, now what's your, what are you going to say now, see? Are you going to say, See, what's happening? The devil's coming to test you. You want to run your big mouth. Come on, he's going to come around and just see how much you really believe, praise God. Just see, you've been out there spouting it out to everybody. Just want to see what you believe about the thing. And that's going to be the point, isn't it? Am I going to stay constant? Am I going to stay there? Am I going to, am I going to guard my heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life? Or am I going to quickly slip over with my mouth and go in the wrong direction? And my divine utterance was, I feel sick and I'm going to get sicker. I mean, no, that's not divine utterance. That's foolish utterance. It won't work for you, praise God. Hallelujah. All right, glory to God. One more quick one. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Financially, we've heard enough word from Patrick to know that you're blessed and God wants you filthy rich, praise God. Amen. So get your mouth in line with that and keep him in line with that. Oh, this bill came in. Who cares, praise God. God meets all my needs according to his riches and glory, praise God. Well, I'm the only one that goes through this. Join the club, for God's sakes. Give me a break. Dear God. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse 12. This scripture means a lot to me. Let no man despise my youth, but be thou an example of believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by the... Pre prophecy and the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly to them, and thy profiting shall appear to who? Yeah. 
Oh, how many of you know Paul was radical? He, they, he talks about tongues. He says, I pray in tongues more than you all. How many know that's a bold statement? He sang, he praised, he was in jail, they beat him, and he just sang and praised anyway. It didn't make any difference. He must have stirred up the gift in him. He gave himself wholly to these things, praise God. Hallelujah. You have a spiritual deposit in you. Say, I have a spiritual deposit on the inside of me. Now, you can't neglect it. You've got to think on it. You've got to meditate. You've got to stay committed. If you do, your profiting will appear to how many? To all. God is not going to just do these things in your life. He told you what you need to do in order to do them, praise God. He will not do it in spite of you, but he will do it with you, praise God, in your life. Hallelujah. Say, I am in the kingdom of God. I am righteous. I am holy. I am powerful. I have authority. I use the word of God in my mouth to release divine utterance. I believe that the power of God on the inside of me will follow that utterance, deliver people, heal people, straighten me out, keep me healed, keep me in peace, keep me in joy. I choose to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, my right alignment with his ways, with his words, with his thoughts, I choose to live above the rest of the Christians who don't want to go where I want to go. And I thank God for it in Jesus' name. All right, praise God.